he really got me. You know, I think it's because he was gay. Got the nuances more. Gotta get me a gay, Mickey. Gotta get a gay. Hello and welcome to another episode of In the Details, a celebration of nuance where whenever the hell I can pull it together, I queen out on all of the acting choices, micro moments, and magic in the minutiae that make a scene great. My name is Colin Trucker, your name is Barbara Bel Geddes, and I am delighted to be back. It has been, I mean, we're not going to dwell on it. It's been a year. It's been a year that none of us are going to look back on and go, boy, I could do that again. Uh... But it is, you know, it is what it is. I hope uh, whenever you're listening to this that you're doing well. And um, I'm so excited to be doing another episode of In the Details. I, of course, wanted to do more. uh, But no one wants to hear excuses from podcasters and YouTubers and bloggers on why they're not creating more content. And I feel like we all have a bit of a grace period this year. Anyway, whenever I get back to doing this, I'm super excited because this is where I get to just fully queen out. And I thought, you know... What would I love to just queen out about a little bit? Just queen out about a little bit, you know? And it has a nice little ring to it. What do I want to just queen out about a little bit? Uh, Didn't really work that time. But um, I want to queen out on the Clarissa and Lewis Waters scene in the hours. I have wanted to talk about this forever. I have talked about it. Nick and I did do a whole episode on the hours. It was like, Two and a half hours long. It was so good. Uh, it was so good. We just like, we basically talked about every woman and some of the men. And, you know, it was, it was so gratifying to like a younger version of my gay self because the hours, and you know what the hours is, the hours, the hours with Nicole Kidman, she plays Virginia Woolf. And then it's from 2002. It's, you know, she won the Oscar. Julianne Moore cries she gets the bow tie mouth Meryl didn't get nominated and I have to say I think this is I haven't seen every Meryl performance but I really think this is one of my favorites and you know I think I kind of like it more because it wasn't nominated and I you know what I mean like I like that there is this kind of nebulous oh it's not on the nominations list but I think it's such a fascinating character and it took me probably until that episode I did with Nick where I really understood how, I don't want to say off-kilter Clarissa is, but how much she's not our sensible narrator, how much she's not the most, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say unreliable. She's pretty reliable, but she's she's this kooky lesbian in the West Village, you know? Uh her her wife or girlfriend or significant other is Allison Janney, by the way. Oh, Alice and Janie as Sally. I mean, oh my God. Oh, it's just so good. You know, my favorite, my favorite Alice and Janie performance of all the ones I've seen, and granted I have not watched The West Wing yet, but my favorite Alice and Janie performance is of course as Loretta and Dropped It Gorgeous. Oh God. Oh, it's just, she's just so fucking funny. I, Nick and I did do an episode on Dropped It Gorgeous and queened out about Loretta at length. So this is kind of cross-promoting Best Supporting Podcast, but I love that podcast. And it is so much of like a cross-section of stuff I talk about here. And so I had to just accept that like, you know what? 
There might be a movie or a scene that you have somehow talked about on one of the other podcasts, and it's fine. I mean, how many times have I talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre? How many times have I played Brenda Vaccaro screaming? I think I'll be going, if you'll excuse me. That's what I said. I'm staying. I'm staying. How many times have I made you listen to the theme song from Blood Rage? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's too long. It would stop being funny after a while if it ever got funny in the first place. I'm down to repeat things, you know? Sometimes I just mention the name Joe Beth Williams just so I can keep, keep her in the ether. Joe Beth Williams and Poltergeist, just to be more specific. Side note. I recently watched Poltergeist 2 again. I had seen it before, um, and I did not remember enjoying it. And I watched it again, and it's god-awful. It's so bad. And you know the worst part about it is Joe Beth Williams' hair. It's so bad. Oh, my God. she's It's so good in the first movie. I mean, I know that movie's cursed, but I did not realize how far that curse went. Um so I, yeah, anyway, uh, what am I talking about? The Hours, Alice and Janney, Sally, Meryl Streep's girlfriend, they kiss at the end. I mean, The Hours, so I was in 2003 when this came out. I This, this found me as a senior in high school. Oh, what a time. Because I, at that point, had found my circle of friends from the theater company, Lots of boys who later came out as gay. A couple of boys who still have not. One who has like three or four kids. I mean, listen. I'm just saying. So I, um, to say nothing of his brother. Oh, come on, guys. Just come out. But anyway, I had found my friends and I had found a sense of self and I, and I had opportunities to queen out non-queerly. You know what I mean? Like I was able, I, I got to catalog and queen out. I knew about Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I got to quote that with my geeky theater friends. And it was all just an extension of, you know, what I'm doing now. But it's just, I'm just using my flappy little wrists more often now, you know? Um, and so I'm just, I'm just really, you know, letting myself queen out with a capital Q. And the hours was such a perfect storm of things to find me at that age. I had my own car. I had a Toyota Camry. There was a sense of freedom there. I could really listen to 103.5, the new KTU, Freestyle Freestyle Friday, Freestyle Monday, Freestyle Sunday. I could, like, but I, whatever, whatever gay-ass shit I wanted to listen to, I could cry in my car. I mean, I, I hadn't, like, lost my virginity yet or anything, but, you know, uh, I had... Uh, I, I had enough emotions. I didn't need to do that yet. Um, and so the thing about the hours is that the hours is so gay. And I know that we all know this, right? They're, like, if you've seen it, you you know what I mean. Like, even on, like, the outset, like, Meryl Streep and Alice and Janney, and then they kiss, and then there's the scene where Julianne Moore and Tony Collette kiss, and it's not really gay, but it's not really not. And it's not really questioned. And then there's even Virginia Woolf kisses her sister. I mean, there's incest. No, there's no incest in the hours. But she does kiss her sister. Uh, longer than I think I would feel comfortable. But I don't really feel comfortable with any kind of physical affection with my family. So um, I'm no one to judge. But I 
so there's all that, right? Like there's just the mere fact that like it's about a lot of gay people, you know? Um I'm sure Eileen Atkins' character was kind of a lesbian. You know, the woman in the flower shop? Ugh, of course you know who Eileen Atkins is. That scene is so fucking good. Um, Eileen Atkins is like the Beatrice Strait of the hours. Uh, and so it's also just like it's directed by Stephen Daltrey, who's gay. It's based on a book by Michael Cunningham, who's gay. It's... Um, I think it's produced by Scott Rudin. He's gay. And granted, he produces a lot of things, but it still counts. It's another gay one. David Hare, who adapted the script from the book, is not gay. But I feel like he's been enough time in the theater that he's, like, kind of gay, you know? Um, In terms of people in the cast, um, well, I don't think there's any gay cast members. Uh, I know in the book, Claire Dane's character of the daughter, she's gay, so, like, it's a lot of gay people, but when I look through the cast, Nicole Kidman's not gay, Julianne Moore's not gay, Meryl Streep's not gay, Stephen Delaney's probably not gay, Miranda Richardson's not gay, um, Linda Bassett, oh, she's got kind of a lesbian quality, uh, Jack Ravel is too young, he played the son, he played Julianne Moore's son, um, Richie, well, you know, spoiler alert, Richard, um, John C. Riley's definitely not gay, there's nothing about him that seems gay, he just, like, looks like a straight person, uh, Ed Harris plays gay. Jeff Daniels plays gay. Now that's what that's what brings us to what's important. Jeff Daniels is so good at playing gay. There are some actors, there's some men who are just so good at it. We're like, I am fine with the fact that they didn't cast, I don't know, Rupert Everett. I can't think of, <clears throat> of I can't think of anybody else. You know, oh. We'll say this, if if it was Stanley Tucci, I'd still be fine, because Stanley Tucci can also play gay. It's like a shame that he's not, you know? Um, but I, I feel like that's what I want to see. I want to see Jeff Daniels and Stanley Tucci play a gay couple. And I know, I know, it's Jeff, uh, Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth are going to be in Supernova in the, you know, the, the all-male cast version of uh, Still Alice. So that'll be fun, but I, I just this is this has brought us to because I could oh I could go on about the hours I could what else could I say, it's it's super gay, <gasps> Philip Glass oh my god that Philip Glass score are you kidding me are you kidding me Philip Glass oh that was so it was such a big part of the cataloging in high school, and just to stop you know what I mean by cataloging right like I th- this is. Uh, God bless St. Bruce Valanche, who on an episode of What's the Tea with RuPaul and Michelle Visage talked about this thing that he, you know, in his his perception, his experience that young gay boys do of you spend all this time in your childhood just cataloging references. And I don't, I, I would say you could do that even more so now. And it's probably, I know, not specific to just gay men, but there's also like the need for sometimes to have that specific narrative. It's like, no, I know that lesbians could do it. I know that girls and even straight boys can do it. I just need to see it through a gay lens. Can I just can I just choose to keep the gay goggles on um, for this? Can I can I queen out about how this is kind of a gay thing and how like sensitive indoor you know playing kind of boys would would read their mother's red book magazines and prevention magazines and watch Oprah and and maybe if you had HBO as a kid like I did there's a lot of cataloging there like that thing that a lot of boys do um that's what I mean when I talk about cataloging um but anyway I 
that was like oh the like the the importance of Philip Glass. Oh my God, not gay, but wouldn't that be great? Um, so it's such a fabulous movie. Julianne Moore is. I th- I think when Nick and I did our episode about this on Best Supporting Podcast, she was officially I think. I think our BSA of the movie, like, well, who, because Nicole Kidman's not really in the running because she, I mean, I guess she could be, but like, she obviously won Best Actress, but like, maybe I went with Meryl. I think maybe Nick went with, with Julianne Moore and I went with Meryl, which is great because then everybody got recognized in the end. But Julianne Moore is so good. That scene in the end, at the end when she's in the bathroom and she was trying to like stop herself from crying while Dan's in bed, like saying, come to bed, Laura Brown. Oh, and that way that she like pulls it together when he when they're talking about Kitty, played by Tony Collette, the indomitable Tony Collette. We'll get to her in one second, and and talks about like you know her going to the hospital or something. And I don't know. I just remember Julianne Moore saying, "I'm terrified." Oh God, it's just so good. I ran into Ray. He said Kitty had to go to the hospital. I know. Nothing serious, he said, just a checkup. I'm terrified. Why? I'm glad she got nominated. And you know, Nicole Kidman's great. It's a great performance. For 2002, it's, yeah, I see why she won. She has that great scene at the train station where she loses her shit. Um, I'm dying in this town, you know? It was really that raspiness that sold me, you know? It was like, oh. I hear the Brenda coming out. This is not you speaking, Virginia. This is an aspect of your it's illness. Me. It's it not is, you. It is my voice. It's not your it's voice. Mine and mine this is alone. the voice it, that it, you hear. It is not. It is mine. I'm dying in this town. The Brenda jumped out. I love it. Uh, but we're circling my favorite scene in the movie. Um, I know I was going to talk about Tony Collette. She's great. She's great. Tony Collette is so great, but let's stay focused here. The scene I want to talk about is when Lewis Waters, played by Jeff Daniels, arrives early to Clarissa's West Village townhome, apartment, whatever, uh, and they have this great scene together. This great would work well in a play um, I think I've even seen clips on YouTube of like people like doing this scene for like an acting class or a reel. And of course it like doesn't work because there's just all of the magic is missed. All of the cinematography, all of the, the, the timing, all of the Meryl, all of the Jeff, as if Jeff and I are on a first name basis. Like Meryl is a concept, you know, but Jeff Daniels is Jeff Daniels in the way that Sally Field is Sally Field. I, you know, I think for me, when, oh God, like let's just jump through like a couple of moments because I could go beat by beat, but I feel like there's a handful of moments I want to call out. Uh, if you do not know the scene or if you want to refresh your memory, there's a link in the description uh, of this episode to this scene on YouTube, or you can just search the hours, Lewis Waters, and you can see if you want to, you know, catch up first. But or you could just, you know, you're in the shower and there's only so much you can do without electrocuting yourself. And so just listen along and then go and watch that scene. Follow the link in the description and uh, be like, oh, yeah, there's that gesture. All right, I know what he's talking about. So 
there, I think that, you know, you could do a whole thesis about this scene, but I feel like that hug when he first arrives and, you know, they kind of have this conversation where, cause he says over the intercom, like, you know, do you mind, you know, that I'm early. And then she buzzes him up and he comes in and she turns down the opera that she's listening to and she's coming towards him, you know, uh, gloves on cause she's, she's cooking and she's been doing dishes and all that. And she's got an apron on. Oh, the, the costuming, you know, Queen Anne Roth, you know, really knocked it out of the park with this one. That one looked good to me, Ellen Sue. That one looked good to me. It was such a good look with that apron and the pants and the and the blue turtleneck. Oh, why should I mind? <laughs> I'm delighted. Well, now. <laughs> oh. uh, I feel like I'm interrupted. Oh, why? No. Well, you know, I, I know the ceremony isn't until five, but I flew in this morning. <sighs> well, Richard's <laughs> going to be thrilled. Thrilled to see you. You think so? <laughs> of course. Uh, and and Jeff Daniels does this well, you know, this kind of gay. It's so gay. It's so like in case you needed to know right away that this character was gay. In case those like purple transitional lenses that he was wearing didn't give the whole thing away. Uh, but he does this like well uh, before they hug, and it's. In a, in a lesser actor's hands, in one of those reels, in one of those scenes filmed for an acting class, God bless them. They're doing more than I am. Not that I want to be an actor. I just I'm just saying, hey, you're participating. This is great. Like it would not work. It's because Jeff Daniels is just a genius at playing Faye, playing Faye gay, and then they hug. And I love that when they hug. Meryl, it's this great shot over the shoulder, over Lewis's shoulder, and Clarissa's got those like wide, like, oh my God, what are you doing here, eyes? And her hands are not touching him. Granted, she's got the dish gloves on, but like there's also that thing of like she's not fully committing to the hug. You know, there's something about when you hug someone, but you don't put your hands against their back. Like when you just kind of, you know, keep fists clenched up and you just kind of squeeze them with your wrists, that, um, there's a difference. There's a big difference. What are we doing? We should go in. Are you all right? Yes, it's nothing. It's just the party. Oh, right. <laughs> So then, oh, I stand corrected. She does not turn down the opera. She has to then go past Lewis into the living room and turn down the opera. And at that point, she turns off the stereo and, and there's just this, like, there's a buzz about her. And when Lewis asks, are you okay? And, uh, you know, and, and she, of course, fends it off. It's just the party. And there's this, this really great shot of, of Meryl, Clarissa, same difference, you know, flanked by flowers on like below, kind of below her in the shot and next to her. And I feel like it's just such a perfect, like symbolic shot of Clarissa in the apron, in the myth, you know, wearing the, the dish gloves still surrounded by the flowers that she went to get herself with this like unconvincing smile on her face saying, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, it's just the party. Oh, it's just the party. I, I think that's a brilliant shot. And then they move into some small talk and Lewis, you know, sort of asks if she's still with Sally and Clarissa says that she is and makes this comment about how it's crazy. Oh, wow. 
looking beautiful. Thanks. Are you still with? Yes, I am. Still with her. Ten years. <laughs> it's crazy. Why is it crazy? No reason. And this is one of the other acting choices that I love where it was like, oh, Jeff Daniels has gay friends because the way that he goes, why is it crazy? And kind of tilts his head. Oh, I know that man. It's so smart. It's so smart. Um, so then Clarissa heads to the kitchen to get Lewis a drink. And he has that great line where she asks him about San Francisco. How's San Francisco? Oh, it's one of those cities people tell you to like. I... I feel the same way. I'm just going to say it. I I know there could potentially be someone in the Bay Area listening right now who is not happy, but I just have to say it. I And, you know, I come with my own biases. I live in New York. I grew up in New Jersey. I am East Coast and neurotic and, you know, a little Jewish. Like, I am all of that. I just, the Bay Area is just a completely different flavor profile. It just doesn't mix. It's fine. It doesn't mix with me. I've been there a bunch of times. I lived in Sacramento. I know that's different, but it's closer. So anyway, uh, I've done the empirical research. I work with a lot of people in San Francisco who are lovely, but are just a different brand. Just different. Not better, not worse. Just different. In some ways, they seem calmer than I am, which, you know, is great. But I... Anyway, we get back to the scene there and, you know, there's, oh, there's this one shot where Lewis asks if she's, you know, still editing and, you know, still an editor and, and there's this sort of, you know, coded way in which Clarissa says, oh, sure. And, and he asks, oh, with the same publisher, and she gives this look and, and we don't know what that's supposed to mean. We don't know anything about this publisher that she works for, but just the suggestion that that's some point of contention that when he asks that it means something and it means something negative. I think that's, um, mm, mm. and so of course not to narrate through the whole scene because, but I want to kind of bring us to, uh, you know, they talk about Richard's book and this, okay. So what I love about this, they talk about the book, they talk about how, you know, it sort of seems based on their lives and, Clarissa's only regret is there isn't more of Lewis in it. And Lewis talks about going back to Wellfleet. And it's it's an interesting, you know, where it all leads to. What I think is, and what took me a long time to get together with was, Lewis talks about going back to Wellfleet where they had this house where they, you know, where the, all three of their lives had intersected at some point. And Clarissa go, starts to go a little, like, she just, it's like, okay, we have hit a nerve. And I remember... The first few times I saw this movie, oh, you've seen it many times. Yes, I've seen it many times. Um, but for a while, it almost read kind of weird to me. And this is another one of those in a lesser actor's hands. I don't. I, I think this would be hard to play some of these notes convincingly, you know, and to realize that like, oh, this isn't this isn't Meryl being over the top. This is Clarissa being maybe naturally melodramatic and kind of realizing that there is a, a kind of a uh, a, a little bit of a kooky quality to her and kind of seeing that come out. You remember the house. It's still there. I think you're courageous. Courageous? Why? To dare go visit. What I mean is to face the fact that we have lost those feelings forever. And she's doing that thing with the eggs. Ugh, 
And my favorite child, like it's always it was always so interesting to me. Like like I never understood. Like you know, you see something so many times, and like finally it clicks with what it's supposed to be. I think for the longest time she's she's separating the yolks, but for the longest time I always thought that she was separating the yolks so that she could use the whites. And I thought, well, this is such an inefficient way because you're basically getting the whites all over your hands, and some of it is slipping through your fingers into this bowl, and then you're dropping the yolk in this other bowl. And I just never put together. She's no, she's going to use the yolks. She even starts beating them later in the scene, but it just. I may have not realized that until just this moment, but there's then this one shot where she drops the last yolk in that bowl and it goes plink. And I love that. And I love that there's probably a symbolism to all of that that I don't understand. There's probably some like pregnancy story that I don't know about. So then we get to, as the French would say, the piece of resistance. And it's... It's a quintessential Meryl breakdown scene. And I actually think I had read a review probably in high school when this came out. I had read a review probably in the Star Ledger. Maybe it was Matt Zoller Sites. I don't know. Um, who was the other one? Alan Seppenwall? I don't remember. But anyway, it was one of those Star Ledger, you know, guys who, who probably are super successful now. Um, but they'd said something about how Meryl has in the hours, I don't feel like the review is wildly positive. I think it was kind of like two and a half out of four stars, which is not enough for me. Um, but uh, something along the lines of like Meryl has one of her quintessential crying moments or a quintessential Meryl crying scene that it was at the time I was like, oh, is it, it, it made it feel less like a part of the hours and more like, you know, take a drink every time Meryl cries in a movie, you know? It's like, take a drink every time Diane Keaton hoots and clutches at her turtleneck, you know? Uh, and I, um, and it kind of put me off a little bit or kind of took me out of the movie a little bit because I kept seeing it through that lens. And I've, I've grown, I, I've let that go, you know, I've moved on. But I, I really, I, I kind of actually love this idea of a quintessential Meryl Streep crying moment. I love that that's a thing, because she's so good at it. So here's what happens. Now, behind the scenes fun fact I learned recently, what kind of sets her off, what really, you know, the last the last Jenga block before it topples is she goes to turn on the sink, I guess, to wash the egg whites off her hands. And there's, you know, some water in the, in the pipe or something, and it kind of shoots out. And... It seems perfect, but apparently that was not supposed to happen, and Meryl just worked with it. Ah, and she didn't get nominated. She worked with it, and she didn't get nominated. So she turns it on. Uh, it it shoots some water out. She Jesus Christs and turns it off, which is great. And then she, oh my God, the body language of when she starts to like. She's, she, her body kind of goes like a marionette whose like arm strings have been dropped. And she says something along the lines of like, I seem to be in some strange sort of mood. Clarissa? Um, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I'm sorry. I seem to be in some strange sort of mood. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's very rude of me. I seem to be unraveling. <laughs> I shouldn't have come. No, it's not you. It's not you. It's more like having a presentiment. Do you know what I'm saying? And and 
she's physically unraveling while she's saying it. And the thing is, The Hours is... The Hours is such a textured movie. There's nothing casual about it. Every conversation being had, every line has meaning. Everyone is having an important conversation with lots of weight and meaning and history. And so, like, I think it's okay that it's not, it's not that it's, mm, it's a little performative. I mean that in the best way because it's acting choices. She's choosing. She's making acting choices. And then the moment, you know, the moment, the, the, the trailer moment is her saying, oh, I seem to be unraveling, which, you know, we just saw her physically do, and now she's saying it. I, I, there are elements of this movie that are subtle, and there's elements that are not, and I'm fine with that. You know, the Philip Glass score is not subtle. And, you know, there's this, like, oh, Lewis is like, oh, I should go. And no, and, you know, it's not you. I, I, I'm fine, I, you know. She's probably just nervous about the party. And then she starts to break. And she breaks on this idea of starting to say bad hostess. And I, I always think that she's starting to say, oh, it's just, I'm just having bad hostess syndrome, which I really glommed on to in high school and have still held on to is that concept of bad hostess syndrome. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if that full expression of bad hostess syndrome is a thing. I bet I could Google it. I wrote bad syndrome. Which one? Bad hostess syndrome, you know? Um, let's see, bad hostess syndrome, graft versus host disease. It's mm, not what I wanted. Okay, well, it seems that I'm just coming up with graft versus host disease symptoms, which is not oh, that the not not at all the the route I wanted to go. Um, I seem to be unraveling, and then she breaks. Oh God, it's probably just nerves about the party, you know. Bad hostess. <laughs> Clarissa, what's happening? Uh, Jesus. What is it? Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, it's so, so the next, the, the other acting choice that I love, I mean, all of this, but she, the way she doubles over, the way she puts her arm around her, her midsection and just like gets a good couple of sobs out. And then, oh, so then she starts to, like, bring herself down onto the floor, leaning against the dishwasher. Meryl Streep crying against the dishwasher. It's the name of this episode. I love it. I just love it. And then, of course, Lewis is like, well, do you want me to leave? She's like, oh, no, please don't leave. Like, just tell me why this is happening. And she's kind of laughing, crying a little bit. It's great. Do you want me to go? <laughs> no, don't go. Explain to me why this is happening. Don't, don't touch me. Jesus, it's better if you don't. Louis starts to approach her, you know, to comfort her in some way. Oh, and that's like this line reading of of Meryl just being like, "Oh, God, don't touch me," and and the way that she goes, "Jesus, oh, it's." And and he's so rejected in that moment, but I always I've held on to that line reading all these years of don't touch me, Jesus. Don't touch me, Jesus. Oh my God. Uh, and so then, I mean, what could also be the name of this episode? And it's just the name of my life. Uh, it's not the name of my life. It's just a thing. I. It's just a thing. Uh, if I had a one-woman show, if I was that kind of drag queen, I would call it It's Just Too Much with Barbara Please. Uh, 
And because it's that line reading, that way that she kind of, you know, gives a, a shaky deep breath and goes, it's just too much. <sighs> it's just too much. You know, and and it all just kind of comes up there. I mean, she... Uh, what's interesting is that what it is that's too much, like what she starts to go into, it, it, it's all so strange, you know? You fly in from San Francisco, and I've been nursing Richard for years. And all the time, I've held myself together. No problem. I know. And then she gets into the story of how she got the nickname of Mrs. Dalloway, and... Um, it's, you know, it to me, and I don't know, I feel like you could interpret this scene so many ways, but I feel like in terms of the script work, in terms of the direction, and even the acting, it's, it's like Clarissa can't just come out and say, like, I love this man to death, and all I got was this stupid nickname, you know what I mean? And I feel like it's such a weird thing for her to be, like, talking about, and, and for her to be upset about. One morning, in... Well, Fleet, you were there. We were all there. I'd been sleeping with him, and I was out on the back porch. He came out behind me, and he put his hand on my shoulder. Good morning, Mrs. Dalloway. From then on, I've been stuck. Stuck? Yeah. <laughs> With the name, I mean. And now you walk in. To see you walk in. Because I never see you. Look at you. Anyway. It doesn't matter. It was you he stayed with. It was you he lived with. I had one summer. I mean, then they kind of get into Lewis's life because Lewis is like, you know, I basically saying that when he left Richard, that was the most free he ever felt. As if to say, honey, you missed nothing. And then they kind of just almost go back to like, now where were we? No, oh, so you're dating one of your students? Oh, God. So... Tell me about San Francisco. What's to tell? Still teach drama to idiots, mostly. They can't all be idiots. No, no. In fact, I shouldn't tell you this. I've fallen in love. Really? Yes. With a student. With a student? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. You, you think... Am I still up for this? All this intensity, all those arguments, doors being slammed. Well, you know what it's like. <laughs> to just put a pin on this scene, I, I think there is some genius shade when Lewis at the end asks Clarissa, uh, do you think I'm ridiculous? Which I think is a really fascinating question especially as like, you know, here he is this older, somewhat a little bit older, you know, maybe 50s, whatever, gay man, um, apparently dating one of his students who's much younger, you know, someone who has so many of those classic qualities of like a bit of Peter Pan syndrome, you know? And Clarissa says, 
ridiculous, fortunate, too. You think I'm ridiculous? Ridiculous, fortunate, too. And the way that she adds that too at the end to confirm that like, yes, I think you're ridiculous, but you're also fortunate. Like you also, like, it's almost like you are able to get away with your being, with being ridiculous. And, and she's almost kind of a, suggesting that she's not been able to get away with being ridiculous. Like that has not been an option. She's had to hold herself together. Like she does in this speech when she goes, and all this time I held myself together. And she does this this body language of holding herself together because she's making acting choices. Oh, it's such a good scene. And those are some of my favorite moments. I just, I just love that scene. And I love that movie. And I just needed to queen out about it. That's what I needed to do today. I just need to queen out about the hours for a little bit. I needed to talk about my apartment. I, um, I guess the only thing I would other, cause I'm, I'm done. I've talked about the hours. I've gotten it all out of my system. If you want to hear more of me talking about the hours, go listen to the BSAs of the hours on best supporting podcast, because so much has been said. I feel like did we do an episode of the hours on all right, Mary, maybe like a Matreon episode, maybe, um, probably. So it, it's all over the place, my feelings on the hours. But I did want to just say this. We are getting into October and uh, 2020 be damned. I'm sticking to tradition. Third, third year, third October in a row. Is it? Yeah. No, it's the third October in a row. I am doing some spooky nuances every week. I'm coming back every single week in October um, because that is what I do in October. I do spooky nuances. I've got some really great shit lined up. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's my favorite time of year. I love an All Right Mary when we do spooky Matreons. I think we're going to do some spooky BSAs and Best Supporting Podcast. Like, I fucking love spooky shit spookies spooky stuff i had an ex-boyfriend who had a cat named spooky and i i like that cat i like that name but not enough for us to stay together that was a a few ex-boyfriends ago um that was a while ago i don't know why i'm telling you that and we're gonna end on that note we're gonna end on my ex-boyfriend who had a cat named spooky uh yeah that's probably what we're gonna end on well anyway if you have thoughts on the hours if you have thoughts on anything you can really reach out about anything like why not connect we're all locking down at home socially distancing why don't you send an email to a stranger with a podcast uh, at in the details at pod at gmail.com you can also connect with me on twitter at colin drucker or instagram at colin drucker underscore uh, you can of course as i've mentioned many times you could hear me on best supporting podcast or all right mary if you want to hear me talking about best supporting actresses and drag queens um and best supporting drag queens and draggy actresses. I, yeah, I mean, there's lots of crossover. You know, there's. Anyway, you can find me on those podcasts. Otherwise, I'll be back very shortly for our first spooky nuance of 2020. And um, thank you for queening out with me on this episode and diving into all of Meryl and Jeff, first name basis, Meryl and Jeff's acting choices, micro moments, and magic in the minutia in the hours. And this is in the details. So I'm out. Bye. I think I'll be going, if you'll excuse me. Ah! That's what I said. I'm staying. I'm staying.